one participant after another. After only a few weeks on a plant-based diet, they experienced such a huge improvement in their symptoms. It's just amazing. And oftentimes, they're able to reduce their medications as well. Uh, so it's, it's just amazing how much can be achieved through a diet. Well, hello there. And welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. You know, when we think about health issues that are on the rise, we tend to think about obesity, or diabetes, heart disease, or cancer. But one issue that is often overlooked is also one of the most common. I'm talking about arthritis. And this is a big one for us, especially as we get older. Those achy joints, the stiff knees, painful elbows, sore shoulders. Maybe it's even hard to type or grip a pen. And to that end... The CDC, it defines arthritis as the general term for conditions that affect the joints or the tissues around the joint. And for the most part, the 100 plus types of arthritis that there are, that's where it begins and ends, at the joints. But there are other forms that go well beyond that and also take a toll on the immune system. So while osteoarthritis is the most common form overall, rheumatoid arthritis, that is an autoimmune disorder that causes the body to basically go to war with itself. And for people diagnosed with it, their immune system actually attacks its own healthy cells. And that, that is what then leads to those painfully inflamed joints. Now think about that word, inflamed. How often on this show have we talked about the anti-inflammatory properties of a plant-based diet? So would eliminating meat and dairy from the diet be beneficial to the millions of people worldwide who have RA? That's what we're going to be discussing today with Dr. Hanna Kaliova. She and her team have just published a comprehensive review of what the data shows. And the results on this, they are promising, very promising as a matter of fact. So we're going to be getting into what Dr. Kaliova and her team found and how it could affect the course of treatment for RA patients moving forward. And maybe... The fix for this isn't found in a pill. Maybe the solution is found on the plate. And then a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by Melissa Sherlock. And Melissa is doing some amazing things right in the heart of cattle-rich middle America. Melissa, she lives in a city that's made famous by its stakes. And there is no debate that beef is king there. But here is the thing. Melissa has turned into a one-woman wrecking crew, demolishing 
the long-held belief that you can't have a healthy diet without eating red meat. And wouldn't you believe, wouldn't you believe that she's finding that her steak-heavy town also has a big appetite for plants? So she's working there to educate the masses as a food for life instructor, to lower their risk of heart disease and cancer and diabetes, all of that. Plus, plus she's also teaching them some delicious recipes along the way. Because if you're listening to this right now, you know that a plant-based diet isn't just about eating grass or salad all day. A plant-based diet, eating it opens the doors to flavors and creations that you never thought possible before. And to borrow a famous phrase, it's mm-mm good. <laughs> so what Melissa is doing is shattering that stigma, even among the most hardcore of carnivores, getting them to trade their passion for beef for a passion for beats and wait until you hear that story but we are going to start today with dr hana kaliova and how a plant-based diet can k-o-r-a This is the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll talking today about rheumatoid arthritis. Our researchers, our doctors upstairs have been busy looking into the connection between diet and RA and one of the lead researchers on that is our director of medical research. With that, we welcome back to the program Dr. Hanna Kaliova. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks, Chuck, for having me. You and your team just completed this amazing review that was released uh, in the journal Frontiers in Nutrition, and you guys just blew me away with this. The actual title of this, and we'll link off to it from PCRM.org, and we'll put this in the show notes for this episode as well. It's Nutritional Interventions in Rheumatoid Arthritis. Here's the key, the potential use of plant-based diets, a review. There's a lot to digest here. This is 11 pages worth of information that we have in front of us. We're going to do our best to put it in some bullet points. Let's start by uh, talking a little bit about what is rheumatoid arthritis. What is RA? Uh, so rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune co condition that affects roughly 1% of the world's population. And it affects multiple joints in your body. Mainly hands and wrists and knees are affected. Uh, but uh, RA can literally uh, affect any joints in, in, in the body. And... Uh, it gradually destroys them. Uh, so what's characteristic for the for RA is pain, uh, but also swelling, inflammation of the joints, and then gradually uh, these people uh, have their joints disfigured mm. uh, and have some deformations in their hands as well. So it can be a very um, limiting and even debilitating disease. You mentioned the hands. I'm mm -hmm. assuming it affects joints all over the body, yeah, though. that's correct. So toes, knees, everything. Basically, <laughs> if it's got a hinge to it, mm -hmm. it, it can be affected. And and the permanent disability uh, aspect of it, like it, mm. when it reaches a point where you, mm. you do have that deformity, is there anything that can be done to reverse it at that point? 
Uh, it's very encouraging, but some of our study participants report that when they joined our study, they were not even able to tie their shoelaces. And after only a few weeks on a vegan diet, they were able to, which was like a major breakthrough. Another study participant reported that whenever she picked up her baby crying at night, uh, you know, there's some initial stiffness uh, in the in the joints of the, of the hands of people with so she just had to muscle through her own pain to pick up her baby and nurse the baby. And after a few weeks on a plant-based diet, the pain was just gone. And she reported, you know, this week uh, I had my first night with no pain wow. picking up my baby. You wow. know, so night. you mentioned a young mother just had a baby. Mm. I how old is the typical person when they're diagnosed with RA? Uh, it differs. Uh, most people are in their 50s or so. Uh, however, you can also be 30 and be diagnosed with with RA. Wow. So 30. And, and what causes this? What do, what do we know about what triggers? Uh, so about 50% are due to the genetic factors. Uh, so RA tends to run in families. However, another 50% are due uh, to modifiable factors like the diet and gut microbiome and physical activity and healthy body weight. Uh, and all these factors can be influenced. What about smoking? Uh, exactly. Smoking is another factor that's important and that may play a role in the development of RA. And the gut bacteria thing is particularly fascinating. If you've listened to the exam mm -hmm. room for any length of time, you know that that is one of the most popular topics on the show. So it are, basically, is it the bacteria in there? If that gets off kilter, if you get the bad bacteria in there, that then can trigger you know, the onset of RA. Is that basically the deal? Uh, it's one of the contributing factors. Um, some people with RA, generally speaking, have low counts of anti-inflammatory gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. And the ongoing inflammation in their gut may be also related to the inflammation in their joints. Uh, and it also uh, increases the endotoxin levels and the intestinal, uh, it compromises the intestinal barrier uh, and increases the endotoxin levels in, 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 in their blood, which further uh, encourages and increases inflammation. Uh, so the inflammation, as I understand it, largely comes from eating meat, eating dairy, things of, of that nature. Do we know whether cheese is more inflammatory than a hamburger? Can we dive that deep into things? Uh, yeah, it's saturated fat in general. Ah. Um, uh, it seems that some studies that uh, compared meat intake um, uh, pointed out that high red meat intake doubled uh, the risk of developing rheumatoid arthritis compared to very low or no um, meat intake wow. in large population studies. So the contribution of uh, the dietary protein and animal protein is huge. Um, these studies have not compared meat to cheese. However, uh, the saturated fat that's in meat is also present in cheese. So we can suppose any saturated fat coming from animal products will increase the chances of developing RA. All right, saturated fat. And you said earlier that body weight was likely mm -hmm. one of the contributing factors for RA. And in the review that was published, one of the things that stood out to me was that um, th 
if you are overweight that and and you do have RA the fact that you're overweight the fact that you're obese that may actually interfere with the medication that you're on for RA cause them to not be as effective why is that yeah that's a fascinating uh, question uh, research has shown that being overweight increases of your chances of developing RA by 35 to 50 percent. Wow. Uh, and also, uh, if you already have RA, uh, you are uh, less likely to, um, you know, be experience the benefits of the medications by, again, 35 to 50 percent. Um, now, this is due to two, two main factors, uh, one of them being the um, inflammatory uh, factors being secreted from the adipose tissue. Um, fat is being stored in our adipose tissue, but, you know, it's not only like um, putting oats in your bag. And these <laughs> these fat cells are are active. They produce uh, some uh, cytokines uh, that have inflammatory um, properties. Uh, so the more fat you have, the more inflammation is going on in your body. And uh, so that's one of the factors, the underlying uh, inflammation that's going on in your adipose tissue and then uh, being released to your blood and uh, being turned into systematic inflammation. Uh, and another factor is uh, mechanic. You know, if you're overweight, this places more demand on your joints. Uh, yeah. Imagine the knees, you know, oh. how much weight they, they need to carry. <laughs> I know. Uh, so... <laughs> So that's another factor. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, I would imagine like that would be a huge aggravating factor. I mean, it, it wasn't easy moving around mm. when I was still four hundred and twenty pounds. It's not easy for anybody to move around when they're overweight, you know. And and so like you put all of that pressure, like you're saying, on the joints. Mm. On top of that, with RA, I mean, you're you're just mm. in a hard way there. Mm. Um, so here's here's a question. You mentioned that obesity. You said it increases the risk by thirty. 30 to 50 percent somewhere in yeah. that ballpark 35 to 50 percent yeah. what about uh percentages for some of those other modifiable factors you were talking about like uh infectious diseases was labeled as one of those smoking smoking's mm -hmm. another one can you quantify the risk associated with smoking in ra is it 10 percent, 20 percent? do we know it's one of the major com contributors as well uh so the contribution would be also around 50 to 60 percent wow okay yeah. That's a big one. So then if a person is overweight mm. and they smoke, man, you're talking about... Yeah. yeah. You can increase uh, your risk of developing RA several times. Mm. You know, the, the percentages don't have to add up to 100%. You can even, you know, go, go over that. Sure. You, can, you can increase your risk of RA four times. Wow. Or five times yeah. by adding up all, all those factors. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Four to five times. Um, we were talking about being overweight and how that interferes with the medication. Let's talk about the cost of this treatment because mm. it's not cheap. How much is the average person spending? Do, do you know how much these treatments cost? Uh, so the, um, the cutting-edge medications are biologic treatments uh, for, uh, for RA and other autoimmune diseases. And, for example, Humira, uh, which is an injection that you need to get, um, costs around $20,000 a year. Mm. 
And of course, this is in addition to all the other medications that you're getting, uh, because usually you start with one medication, then you increase the dose. If it's not helping, you get a combination of medications, and then uh, you also get Humira or another biological treatment for this condition, which is in addition to all the other medications that yeah. you're, that you're, you're already using. Yeah. Okay. So let's just put that bluntly again. That ain't cheap. I mean, so you're talking about twenty thousand dollars just for that injection. Which, by the way, I I think that that particular one you, you said Homira. I believe mm-hmm. that that one's advertised on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's why it's advertised, right? Yeah, big business, right? <laughs> uh, so that that is staggering to me. Um, before we got rolling, I mean, you you made a good point. Like, so we're, we're talking about reducing the risk of RA. Nobody wants to go through this. It's mm. painful. You mm. know, you mm. wind up being deformed, but it's hitting you right in the wallet, and that's something that everybody can identify with. You know, even if you buy organic, I would imagine you right. know you, you pay that premium for produce. That's still going to be cheaper than paying for those injections every year, right? Absolutely. If we, if we if the research has suggested there's some potential for for diet to uh, improve RA and in some cases even completely reverse it. Mm-hmm. Just buy broccoli and cauliflower and 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 carrots instead of buying humira. <laughs> <laughs> you will need to eat when you're on humira anyway, uh, so this adds up, uh, you know, and your wallet will suffer. So buy broccoli instead. Amen to that. <laughs> uh, let's talk some about the the studies that you guys uh, mentioned in this review. There are quite a few, um, and you list a, a number of them right up front. Um, how many studies overall did you guys look at? Was it uh, a lot, like a lot. almost a hundred studies or so? Wow. Uh, we did not list all of them. Right. We were trying to make a comprehensive review so that uh, that is also reader friendly, uh-huh. so that you have a feel of what can be achieved through the diet. A hundred. That's like a super meta analysis. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a lot of studies. How much time did you guys put into this? Uh, it took us several months to, uh, to put this together. I would imagine. Uh, way more than 40 hours a week, no doubt. This is a lot of data to go over. Uh, what in these studies really stood out to you? What was the overarching theme that, that you and your team found with these? Um, so for me personally, uh, it's the feel of how much can be achieved through the diet. Uh, some people feel diet is only, you know, able to modify uh, slightly uh, the the underlying processes when when you have RA, uh, but it's not true. Mm. Um, we are conducting a study for people with rheumatoid arthritis right now, uh, and. All, you know, one participant after another, after only a few weeks on a plant-based diet, they experience such a huge improvement in their symptoms. It's just amazing. And oftentimes, they're able to reduce their medications as well. Uh, so it's, it's just amazing how much can be achieved through a diet. Are you comfortable stating that there has not been a single person in this study that you're conducting that has not experienced a benefit? That's true, yes. All uh, all the study participants have experienced benefits of a plant-based diet. Uh, I also need to say 
that rheumatoid arthritis is a little bit trickier than, you know, switching to a plant-based diet is the first step, mm-hmm. which is the most important one. Right. Uh, but we're also looking at potential triggers, um, even from the plant-based kingdom. Uh, so we put them also four weeks into the study. We started an elimination diet where we eliminate also gluten, citrus fruit, and other potential allergens and triggers from the diet. And uh, then we reintroduce the foods back to their diet. Uh, And this is very individual. Some people may be reacting to gluten. Some people are just fine with gluten, and they react to potatoes, for example. Right. Interesting. Uh, So they're, you know, switching to a completely plant-based diet is the most important step. However, you want to go also deeper, and you want to discover if there are any additional triggers. So gluten I was familiar with as as far as being – a factor here mm. a little bit citrus that that's kind of new to me um it, that's is that as common as gluten uh I need to say uh, that this is partly because of the uh disrupted uh intestinal barrier and because of the disproportion of gut microbiome. So once this normalizes, uh, then people may discover they will not be reacting to these foods anymore. Mm. Uh, But at least for some period of time, they might need to eliminate these foods from their diet as well. Interesting. So so initially, when you have taken people off uh, of, say, we'll just stick with citrus here, uh, you eliminate that from the diet, but and that was a trigger for that time, but mm-hmm. then you, you keep them off for what? Four weeks, eight weeks, three, five? 16 weeks 16 on a plant based diet. And yep. then you try to reintroduce that. Right. A lot of times, then it's. It's no longer a trigger. They can handle it fine, right? Um, it, it may happen. It not may. Not, in, not in all cases, though. Uh, and if you stick to a plant-based diet, which eliminates most of the food triggers, you know, the meat and the dairy and the eggs, um, just by going vegan, just right. by switching to a plant-based diet, uh, if you reduce the the exposure to the food triggers, you may stop reacting to the minor ones that are not as common. Mm-hmm. So uh, w- what are some of those uh, minor ones? I mean, so we've talked gluten, we've talked citrus. What are some other triggers that you guys have found? Even oats. So for for three weeks, we ask our study participants to also exclude oatmeal, which is, you know, uh, real real pain. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, for a plant-based diet, I mean, I geez know. Louise, you're asking people then, to stop breathing. I then, mean, you ha- then you have quinoa flakes uh, for breakfast. Okay. And okay, well, that's not too All bad. that stuff, yeah. yeah. Okay. Or, or you can can do cooked millet. Um, you know, we, we find some substitutes for, for them. Uh, however, for three weeks, uh, this diet may be pretty challenging. Mm-hmm. So it excludes also oats. It excludes potatoes. It excludes onions, tomatoes. Uh, you know, there's a list of foods that need to be uh, eliminated. Also nuts and seeds. So do you give a specific menu to the participants and say, hey, yes. follow this? We, we have developed specific recipes for the elimination diet that are elimination diet friendly. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I, I want to ask you, one of the other studies that have been referenced in here studied um, uh, 
I guess the the connection between hypothyroidism um, and people who eat vegan diets compared to omnivorous diets and lacto over vegetarian diets. I can never talk. Semi-vegetarian, pesco-vegetarian. Did you guys look at this like say, all right, well, say a person eliminates meat from their diet, but they still are eating eggs. Like, are is does the RA risk drop by such and such a percent? Uh, and if they eliminate eggs, but they're still eating meat, maybe it drops a little bit less than if they had just eliminated meat. Like, how specific did you guys dive into that? Does that even make sense? Uh, it does. Uh, so I need to say, um, if you eat a high-fat meal, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's meat or if it's eggs or if it's cheese, then it will um, increase your triglyceride levels after, you know, after the meal, which also triggers um, oxidative stress and it will increase your uric acid. If you have too much of uric acid, uh, you will uh, develop um, gout. Mm, that um, doesn't sound like fun. Exactly. And it's, gout is a, is a disease of the joints. Right. 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 So uh, there's some connection with, uh, you know, eating too much dietary fat, particularly saturated fat and having inflammation in your in your joints. So it's no fun. Well, okay. so what what about the fats derived from animal sources versus plant sources, say, you know, um, Mm -hmm. peanut butter and and guacamole, plant based sources like but those do have high levels of fat. Mm -hmm. Is that still, you know, put you at risk for RA or you still better off eating those than you would be, say, prime rib? You are definitely better off eating the plant sources of fat. Uh, For example, one study found that um, switching to a Mediterranean diet, which is high in olive oil, Mm. improves the symptoms of RA. So switching from saturated fat over to uh, olive oil or other plant-based sources of fat definitely helps. Uh, however, um, all the fats are precursors uh, for potentially inflammatory markers. Uh, so if you are able to reduce even the plant-based sources of fat, you are better off. Outstanding. What, what are some other keys that we should be talking about here? What else uh, is important for our listeners to know? Um, the the quali- another <laughs> factor in your diet is the quality of carbohydrates. Ah. So just going vegan uh, is a great start. Okay. Um, but if you drink sodas and if you eat a lot of donuts and you know, then you're not really helping your RA too much because this also potentially feeds the underlying inflammation. Uh, so if you switch over to a whole food plant based diet that's high in fiber and has a low glycemic index, uh, this may uh, decrease your levels of CRP as a marker of inflammation uh, by 25 to 55%. Okay, so uh, so you said low glycemic index, so Mm -hmm. uh, do blood sugar levels play a role here? Uh, They do also. Okay. Yes. What's what's the connection here? How big of a role? Uh, so the fluctuation in your blood sugar also um, make it necessary uh, to uh, for insulin to be secreted, and the insulin uh, may uh, may act as pro-inflammatory hormone. Mm. Okay. So, so high levels of insulin may drive insulin resistance and inflammation at the same time. So are diabetics more likely to develop RA? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, what else? What else do we have in here? 
Uh, we touched on the gut microbiome. Yeah. So when switching to a plant-based diet, uh, you know, it's not like people with RA are destined to have this um, gut microbiome imbalance. If you switch over to a plant-based diet, you can increase the uh, diversity of your gut microbiome, which is essential mm -hmm. for the treatment of RA. And you can also increase the anti-inflammatory um, bacteria in your gut, which will help in reducing the inflammation in your body. Right. Um, so we're talking about RA, but obviously arthritis, uh, inflammation, I mean, no matter what kind you have, I mean, it sounds like a lot of the steps here that you're kind of recommending would also benefit, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, anybody with arthritis. Heck, like really any any disease, really. But this is this is some yeah. pretty good general advice that that you're giving out here. Absolutely. Um, OK, I, th I think that 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 about covers it in your studies. Is it possible to completely reverse RA like it is heart disease and diabetes is there anybody who can they come in they you know they get diagnosed with it but then they go on that strict whole mm -hmm. food plant-based diet can they go into their doctor say six months or a year and the doctor's like Psh, that's not a, that's not even a thing anymore for you Yes, uh, there have been a few study participants who have completely reversed uh, RA okay so that's really encouraging for everyone out there with RA anyone with family members who have RA to, in, to encourage them to give a plant-based diet a try. And what's the feedback been like since you guys have released this? Have you heard from other doctors and maybe some people who have had RA themselves? Um, we're still in the middle of gathering the data, so we are not really releasing the data. Ah. Uh, however, our study participants are oftentimes so excited. Of course, they share with their rheumatologists, and uh, we, we've received several very excited phone calls. Very uh, interesting. Thanking for, for the research and that we're doing. It still fascinates me that you know, doctors, a lot of them, because there is this lack of education when it comes to nutrition that, you know, it's like you stumble upon this and it's like this whole eureka moment. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my goodness gracious, you know, uh, th that just fascinates me. That's got to be so satisfying, you know, when, when you get those phone calls, right? I absolutely love it. I love watching uh, the people who have been suffering so much in their life to be relieved from their suffering. That's very rewarding for me. So where are we, again, in the process of this study? Are you still looking for new participants? Uh, we are finishing another replication of the study and uh, recruiting for another one that will be starting in January. Okay. And uh, what are the qualifications for this study? If somebody's listening, they're like, my goodness gracious, I've had RA. It's just completely taken over my life. I want to do anything I can to get this thing, you know, under control. I'm interested in the study. What what are the qualifications you're looking for? So uh, people need to be diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis specifically. Uh, for this particular study, we only accept people with rheumatoid arthritis. There are many other kinds of arthritis, but for this one, you need to have rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, and you need to be at least 18 years old and live in the D.C. area in order to, to participate in our classes and come to the assessments. And uh, you need to commit to following um, the instructions uh, and following the diet. And how long will these participants be 
doing the study? Is it, it a year long? Is it 16 weeks, like you said? How long is the It's a 36-week study, 36 uh, 16 weeks of which uh, is the dietary uh, intervention. Okay. And then uh, the classes that you're talking about, are those weekly or? They're weekly, okay. yeah, 16 weekly classes. 16 weekly classes. And then it will provide you with important information for the rest of your life. I'll bet. And, and you know, you're not releasing the data, but I would assume that you're seeing a few patients who have um, lost some weight mm. during this process as yeah, well. Um, absolutely. And, and feeling better about things and a lot of smile on their faces, I would assume, too. Yes, that's well, correct. Cool. <laughs> well, Dr. Hanna Kaliova, uh, before I go, one last time I'll ask you, is there anything else that you think we should touch on? Uh, I would like to encourage everyone just to give it a try. Uh, you know, even uh, if there's no promise of uh, complete remission of RA for everyone, uh, all of our study participants have experienced significant improvements. So I'd like to encourage everyone with RA to give a plant-based diet a try. And that is very promising. Every one of your participants has experienced some benefit. And that's huge. That's yeah. huge. So, uh, Dr. Hanna Kaliova, thank you so very much for your time. Again, we will be linking off to this review from the show notes here of this episode, or you can find them at pcrm.org slash podcast. Dr. Kaliova, thank you so much. Thank you, Chuck. I want you to think again about the last thing that Dr. Kaliova said. All of the study participants with RA, all of them experience some benefit from eating a plant-based diet. And that is the reason for optimism as we look toward the future. And it's important that the information that we just discussed gets out there. And here's why. Because already about one out of every four adults in the U.S. will get arthritis at some point in their life. And unfortunately, that number is expected to climb significantly in the coming years. Here are some stats. In 2015, an estimated 54.5 million adults in the U.S. alone had some form of arthritis. But according to the CDC, that number will surge to 78 million over the next two decades. That is a huge jump. But the good news is that a lot of those cases can be prevented. And even if they can't, nearly every one of those arthritis patients can find some semblance of relief by turning to a plant-based diet. That is what Dr. Kaliova's study just found. So how can you help? Well, it starts by sharing the show with your friends and family. Just tweet it out, put it on Facebook, post it on Instagram, or just send a big old email. Share this podcast with your friends and your family so that they can learn what you just did. They can find out about how their quality of life can improve as they improve the quality of their diet. And speaking of improving diets, one woman in Omaha, that big, big beef town, Omaha, Nebraska, she is changing diets one class at a time. 
Melissa Sherlock, she is an extraordinary food for life instructor right there in the red meat Mecca. And she's going out into her community. She is helping her friends, helping her family, helping her neighbors get healthier. And she is changing minds and changing lives, even with a lot of people who have initially dug their heels in the sand, and I mean really dug them in, swearing that they will never change their diet. But lo and behold, after talking to Miss Sherlock, they say it's a mystery why they didn't change their diet a lot sooner. As we continue here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee, we're turning our attention to our Food for Life program, which is really just this extraordinary program where we are most impassioned members, people who have this keen interest in plant-based nutrition, know the benefits, are studied up on all of the studies that have come out. We then take all of that nutrition knowledge into the community and help to change lives. And one of the people who is doing this in the heart of cattle country, no less, is Melissa Sherlock. She's here with us today. Melissa, welcome to the exam room. Thanks, Chuck. Happy to be with you. I'm so happy that you're here as well. And you have founded Sherlock True Health, and that's the company that you use to teach your Food for Life courses. I really want to start with this. This is so intriguing to me. You are in Omaha, Nebraska. Cattle country, if there ever was cattle country. And here you are teaching plant-based nutrition. How is that? Well, I have to tell you, um, it's interesting. We're the home of a very famous steak company named after our city, but... I will tell you that after I got certified to teach Food for Life, the first thing I did was come back and approach our community college here to teach a a class series in their their non-credited classes. And what happened was that I capped the class at 20 students because, you know, I'm cooking food and serving it. And they accidentally had a registration error and let in 21, and there were people on the waiting list. That was my very first indication that there is, in fact, a lot of interest in it here. And, you know, in the eastern part of the state, we are pretty cosmopolitan. People have heard about it. The western part of the state, a little bit slower, of course, to to take this up. And I'm very cognizant of the fact that I live in a state where people – make their livelihood from animal agriculture. But I I do think that there is a really a big growing interest in in health. And the interest that I've had is surprised even me. It it really surprised the community college. They They wanted six people to sign up. And we let in 21 and and we had to turn people away. The second class I taught at the very same place was full a month and a half or two months before it started, which was unheard of for the community college. So there you go. Holy moly. Look at you, rock star. (laughs) Maybe Maybe I said the right words. I did not call it healthy eating. I didn't call it healthy cooking. I said, you know, plant based plant-based cooking. So I wasn't trying to sugarcoat it or or anything like that and still people signed up and so I've just been going ever since. So I, I want to take it back 
before you ever started learning about plant-based nutrition yourself, growing up, did you grow up in in Nebraska as well? I did. I'm born and raised in Omaha. So what was your diet like growing up? Were you the traditional beef-eating family? Yes, we we always had meat at the at the center of the meal. Um, we were meat and potatoes, but my mom grew up on a farm here in Nebraska, and she was a big veggie eater. So we always had always had a salad on the table, always, and we always had at least one other vegetable. So we had the salads and vegetables, but we always had you know we always had meat. And and when did you first discover plant-based nutrition? Because even though you say that the the eastern part of the state is more cosmopolitan, I believe was kind of how you put it, it I, I can't imagine that it's still as prevalent as it might be on, say, the east or west coast of the United States. Definitely not. It always takes things a little bit longer to come into the heartland, but we eventually get there. I think for me, uh, well, I knew vegetarians, and I have to say that I was the person that thought that vegetarians were just trying to get attention. They were just (laughs) trying to be a little edgy and a little out there, and I did. I thought that. But I think after my sometime after my father died, I, I watched a, a CNN Sanjay Gupta special called The Last Heart Attack, and I was still grieving my father. And the whole premise of that program is that we don't have to have all of this heart disease. And I was riveted. I was riveted to that. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was kind of a new message to me how impactful the diet was. I, I, ne- I was always a healthy eater. I didn't, don't eat fast food, soda, all of that stuff. But, but I did eat meat and cheese and tried to eat healthier meats and cheeses, you know, ground turkey instead of ground beef and all those things just because I have an interest in health. Mm-hmm. But the fact that our, our diet was that impactful to heart disease really hit me and I quit eating meat and dairy after watching that special. So uh, your your father then uh, I'm just kind of putting the pieces together he did succumb to a heart attack then. Yes, he died of a sudden heart attack which as you know that what's what happens 50% of the time the person doesn't make it through to make any changes. So it was very big for my family we're all here we all rushed to the hospital and it was it was it was he was gone. Mm-hmm. And how old was he at the time? He was 77. Okay, but still kind of out of left field. Had he been diagnosed at all with heart disease before yeah, then? He, he did know he had heart disease, Chuck. He was like a three-pack-a-day smoker for a lot of his life. He had bad heart and lungs. We knew it. Um, but about 16 years before he died, he gave up smoking, quit smoking cold turkey, and that was a very brave thing for him to do. He immediately felt better and could breathe better and everything, but um, it had taken uh, taken a toll. He ended up with emphysema. He was on oxygen, so he he wasn't a healthy person, but he he couldn't survive from the heart attack, which was really hard. It was just really hard because it you know he's here and gone in a day. Sure. And what about your mother's health? So then my mom uh, really grieved the loss of him, but then she just decided you know after a couple of years she just had to live. She had all these kids and grandkids. 
And so part of her embracing life was eating. She started eating out a lot. And, you know, we don't eat as healthy usually when we eat out. And so she really got the apple shape, the dangerous apple shape. She was always thin. I take after her. She was thin most of her life. And she started to get this dangerous apple shape and started getting jowly. So two years after my father died, um, my father-in-law passed away suddenly, also similar issues to my dad. And then two years after that, my mom uh, died suddenly, too. She had a burst aorta, which means that that aorta isn't, isn't very healthy. So she made it through the surgery, but just her organs couldn't recover. So it was about a day and a half for her. Very difficult because she was healthier and had all the longevity in her family. So my father, we probably had him around longer than we thought we would. And my mother, we thought we lost at least 10 years earlier than we thought we would. We thought we had another good 10 years with her based on her sisters and mother, how long they lived. I want to go back and revisit that timeline a little bit. Were you already looking into plant-based nutrition before your mother had passed or was that really what put, okay. Okay. So So, after my father, it was after my father died. And, and then of course, like many people, when you start getting into it, you just start reading everything you possibly can. You watch all the films, you start digging into the studies. And so after my father died, sometime after that, I got laid off from my corporate job and I really wanted to do something with this. And so I got certified in the in uh, plant-based nutrition through T. Colin Campbell's program. And then I wanted more. And so I actually found out that there was a brand new program at Creighton University here in Omaha. And it's it was this brand new program called Lifestyle Medicine. And I actually went back to school, which was a really hard thing, but wildly um, just empowering. And I, I got a graduate certificate in lifestyle medicine from Creighton. And then it, I, it was after that that I found out about the Food for Life program. And so then I got certified in Food for Life. So all of that happened before my mother passed away. Okay. So, yeah, you were already overhauling your life at that point. Yes. Um, but you said that really the crux of this was the CNN special. And when we first started chatting here at the beginning of the interview, you said that growing up you viewed vegetarians as people who just wanted attention. So what was it that made the CNN special so different? Why did that one click in your brain and not the vegetarians that you knew growing up? Well, uh, because I really believe that when people make a drastic change in their diet, there's often some kind of a trigger. And the trigger for me was that I was still grieving my father. And so the evidence that was presented and the doctors that were in this program that literally said we don't have to have this heart disease and in many places in the world they don't have this heart disease and it's based on diet, it just... It was, it hit me hard. It hit me hard. And it just made sense to me. And so it didn't matter what I thought before. I had new knowledge and I went forward with that new knowledge. And that's what I try to do with people. I I try to help them understand why it's a good idea and why it is so impactful for health so that they can make different decisions going forward. 
And you started acquiring all of this knowledge for yourself, but at what point did you decide, hey, I really need to become a teacher and also share this with others? Was it really the motivation Mm -hmm. just so they wouldn't have to go through what you just experienced with your father? Yes, that's that's a big part of it. I, you know, the first thing was that I didn't want our kids having to rush to the hospital because of a sudden heart event. Um, I was really trying to take care of my heart, but then the more you learn, you learn that the diet that is good for the heart is good for every system in the body. And so then you really do want to share that. You really do want to share it. So after I, I finished at Creighton, I was just having groups of friends over to show them easy ways to get started. And then I found Food for Life, which is just such a great program, and it, it, it has the credibility of being put together by doctors and dietitians and nutrition experts, and it has a, beautiful, a great curriculum, several curricula to start with, and so it was perfect for me. It was the exact next thing for me. So when I went through Creighton's program, you know, there you could take it a little further and become more of a clinician, and that's just not what I was interested in. I really love helping people get hands-on because I know that it can be overwhelming for people. They absolutely freeze when they think about how they're going to do this. Many people do. Some people can go off on their own and just go for it. But many people, they just need to get over a hump uh, in their thinking about what they're plate looks like and what their meals are going to be like and that's what I love the most I absolutely love being in the kitchen with people showing them having them taste it and smell it and using all of their senses to learn and when they do that it's just they take off they just take off like a rocket so that is really where I find the greatest satisfaction I'm curious about the dynamics of your students in these Food for Life courses. Do you get husbands and wives and couples that come in there and maybe, you know, it's the wife that's kind of dragging the husband along or maybe even it's, it's vice versa? And, and how, you know, how does that process play out over the, the course of these, these, it's typically a series of classes, right? Right. I usually teach a five-week series or a one-day workshop. So just my very first class at at the Metro Community College that I was telling you about, uh, there was a woman in that class, and she she was already plant-based, and she had learned some things and was already plant-based. And she told me, I'd really like to get my husband here. And I hear that from a lot of women. And I just say to them, have them come hear one of my talks. Sometimes I just give an hour-long presentation on what's wrong with the diet in America, you know, what what's happening with chronic disease. And when they hear that for themselves, the the men, the husbands, usually then they make the decision on their own. They're hearing the information with not from their spouse, but from somebody else, and then they make a decision. So I've had that happen several times. And yes, sometimes couples come to the class, and it is usually the wife bringing <laughs> the husband, but they come along. They come along because, as you know, when you start looking at the, the body of, of research and the evidence, it's pretty, pretty conclusive. And um, it's easy to make the decision to make changes. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, 
I, I can just I can only speak from experience being that guy. I wasn't dragged into this reluctantly. You know, I, I dove in myself. But I think back to the the guy who I was. You know, this four hundred pound raving sports fan. Give me all the hot dogs, all the pizza, all the burgers. Just give me all of it and bring me seconds at the same time. And trying to talk to that guy, man, I think I would just be like, you're just seeking attention the same kind of way that you are. But then if you would have brought me this science, that's what really would have gotten this light bulb to go off. Because I think that so many people who aren't familiar with the plant-based diet have this preconceived notion that vegans are quote-unquote hippies that do nothing but spend their time in sweat lodges and chant kumbaya (laughs) and eat nothing but salad all the time. And nothing, Melissa, could be further from the truth. That's, That's for sure. So the same gentleman that I was telling you about, she brought him to another class. She came again and brought him. And Chuck, he was in the back row. They were in the back row. And he was sitting there with his arms crossed like this on his big tummy, you know. And he and he just looked like she drug him there. And so I gave my spiel. We had the first class. The next week, he came back. And so I always, uh, in Food for Life, true fashion, we start off the class by asking What happened during the previous week? You know, did you try anything new? Did you go to the store and buy anything or try something? And he raised his hand. (laughs) And I said, yeah, Dave, what what happened this week? And he said, well, I ate with her and it was pretty good. I was satisfied and I dropped seven pounds. He dropped seven pounds in one week because his diet had been so poor and he he did it his wife was already cooking that way so it's pretty easy for a husband or anyone if their spouse is already doing it they're just gonna put beautiful plates of food in front of them they don't have to really figure it out for themselves and so he was he heard the message from someone else he decided to let his wife cook for him and he found out after he opened up just a little bit you just need a crack and yeah. he opened up a little bit, and and you find out how great the food is, how great you feel. He was sleeping better already in one week, and he felt lighter. He just felt better. So that's always a great uh, testimony in a class when someone comes and says that in front of your 20 other people. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And I don't even have to close my eyes to picture how that conversation went. I just see Dave just half beaming with pride and half not even believing what's coming out of his mouth, just still astonished by it. That's true. That's true. And the connection that you forged, that's just one example. But I would imagine with all the classes that you teach and all the people that you get a chance to interact with, you really are building some pretty unique relationships. It is. It has been amazing. Food for Life has been the most amazing thing for me. It has had me meet people and have been some small part in their journey to change their health. Um, and it's, it's, it's just so rewarding. So I've met tons of people. A lot of times when I have a class, that class will kind of bond Mm-hmm. And they will actually continue to get together after the class series ends, which is 
it's just so great because part of what the classes do is it gives you community. You're not all alone trying this. You have other people that you're sharing ideas with and that you can talk to afterwards, after the class is over. So yeah, the relationships have expanded exponentially and um, it's really, really fabulous. And how has the transition been for you uh, to becoming this teacher after having that corporate job that you had for for so many years? Because I think that if somebody is interested in checking out the Food for Life program, perhaps becoming an instructor, they're thinking, I probably can't do that. That's a heck of a career change. It is. Yeah, talk to me. It is a career change. It's a big career change. But I... Maybe it's just because of the the time of my life that it came to me. When it came to me, I was getting tired of the corporate world anyway and ready, maybe ready for a change and ready for at an age where I'm considering maybe doing something different. And so for me, it was it was pretty easy. It's not as regular, the paycheck and all that kind of stuff, but it is honestly the happiest I've ever been. It's the work that doesn't feel like work at all. And right. I think that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to do something like that, that is the thing that is you know, it's you're in your flow. You are in your happiest place. I am in my happiest place when I'm teaching. And I can be tired. I can be, you know, doing too much and be tired. But when I get to that class, it is just something happens. I don't know. It's where I'm happiest. So for me, it was easy. Like I said, it could have been the place I was in my life, the losing my two parents and deciding I'm just going to do something different. I'm going to do what I really want to do. Um, now, uh, when you lose people, that that can that can have that effect on you. I need to do what I want to do now and not wait. So for me, it was pretty easy. But it is a it is a big career change. But I think if it happens to you like it happened to me, you're so passionate about it. Your passion just carries you. Your passion just carries you all the way, and your enthusiasm is there. Um, and it, it, I never looked back, never looked back for a second. I, yeah, and I, I just recently got my certification to teach as well. I'm very much looking forward to beginning my, my first series of classes. But you are out in Omaha, and I understand that you have a one-day workshop coming up. When is that? Yes, yeah, so for people, some people it's hard for them to commit to a five-week class series that, you know, most of mine it meets on one night a week for five weeks. And so some people have trouble committing to that. They have kids at home. They have things going on, and that's difficult. So I created a Food for Life one-day workshop where it's kind of the best of all of it. It's the best, you know, all the teaching and cooking that I can pack in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I say it's one day, but it usually is from 10 to 3. And um, we, I actually get the students to be hands-on with the recipes. And so we're all, we're learning. I do lots of presentations from the Food for Life curricula. And then we all get started 
putting together the food and then we share a buffet lunch and so they're actually getting hands-on which is really fun but it's um, then they can go away with what I what I look at it and market it as you are gonna leave here with these easy delicious nutritious meals to start rolling into your meal rotation because we all kind of have those things that we make over and over again we have the meal rotation here are some that you can start rolling into your rotation right away when you leave this class yeah and 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 they say the proof is in the pudding but i think the proof is in every single one of the recipes uh that are in these food for life courses because look in all honesty the whole idea here is to get people to open their mind to a plant-based diet and kind of shatter some of those stigmas that it's not just eating salad it's not just eating grass all the time like these are legitimate hearty stick to your rib recipes that are going to knock your socks off yeah and they do and they do i tell people in the third week uh class we make tofu scramble yeah when my husband and i went plant-based it took him four years to join me but we weren't didn't think we were crazy about tofu so we just weren't going to eat tofu. You don't have to eat things that you don't like. But now we have, of course, learned lots of things about how to cook tofu and different ways to use it. So we have it all the time. But in the third week class, when we make the tofu scramble, I have people in my classes who have never eaten tofu. Okay. Mm. This isn't California. They've never <laughs> eaten tofu. So what? They, they all are going out the next day to buy tofu to make tofu scramble. So that's really fun to introduce them to things that they may not have tried. I have people who don't think they like mushrooms, right? And, you know, the second week are portobello fajitas and they, they like them. So I think there's a lot of that that happens too. Once they get away from the meat and dairy, the palate really does change. And the recipes are so good that they like every single week and they you know when they come to class in a five-week series you know they're getting food at dinner time I I have the class from six to eight and at the end of five weeks they don't want it to end they get to come and have this great food demonstrated for them and served to them and they don't have to clean up and they're like can we keep going you know (laughs) they love the food they always always love the food well, you can uh, check out Melissa's classes at SherlockTrueHealth.com. That's true with just the U, drop the E. So SherlockTrueHealth.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Sherlock True Health. Again, no E. And, of course, that one-day workshop coming up November 10th. So book your seat now if you are out in the Omaha area. And, again, I just think that that's fantastic that there you are in Omaha and there is so much interest in your courses. That's phenomenal. It's it's pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting, and it it's a place where I can make a difference. There is a lot of work to do here, but it's also a place where I'm not always. I mean, I don't sound like a wacko. Enough people have heard about it, and I, I'm really shocked actually by the number of people that come up to me if I uh, have a tabling event somewhere, and you know 
little elderly people who already know about this, who are already doing it, and they know they can talk the talk. And I, I'm always surprised. People always surprise me. And so there is a lot of work to do here. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of people who, you know, they love their bacon, they love their beef, they're, they're not going to give it up. But even here in the, in the restaurants, a, a lot of the restaurants are carrying options. And if you know Issa um, Chandler Moskovitz, she's got a, the Modern Love restaurant that she started in Omaha. It's now in Brooklyn, but she started that in Omaha because we're such a restaurant town, mm-hmm. and it's it's an all plant based restaurant, and it's one of the you know highly acclaimed restaurants in Omaha. So there are really signs of of change here and so that's exciting so I think it's a it's a good time to be doing this in Omaha Um, the impact I go around to corporations a lot I do a lot of lunch and learn just lunch hour classes that have a big impact people people are really interested the companies are interested in having their their employees eat better it's just a win-win you know taking it all the way plant-based is a stretch for people but so many people are interested in better better diet that -hmm. if you just get them started then they like it so much they kind of take it steps further and so I have had students who said you know I'm not going to go all the way I'm not going to go all the way guess what happens they do they do yeah yeah I think that that's almost like a a protective measure that they put up in their own mind so it kind of gives them permission to explore this and know like I'm I'm, I'm just going to try it out it's it's probably not going to stick with me but I'm just going to try it out and then lo and behold they love it and the rest is history (laughs) <laughs> That's exactly what happens. So if you want to be like Melissa Sherlock, uh, guess what? There is a Food for Life training seminar coming up next February in Los Angeles, February 27th and 28th to be exact. But you have to act fast to get your applications in because the deadline for that is November 13th. Okay, so that is right around the corner. And to put in your application to become a Food for Life instructor, head over to FFLtraining.org. That's FFLtraining.org. FFL, of course, just think Food for Life. And Melissa, I'm sure that this has been one of the best decisions that you ever made in your life. I hate to oversell it, but you just seem like you're so happy doing this. I am. I am. And it was a great decision. I absolutely love what I do. All right, again, that is SherlockTrueHealth.com. True with the U, but no E, SherlockTrueHealth.com. <laughs> Melissa Sherlock, thank you so very much for your time. Thank you, Chuck. Just like Melissa, I went through the Food for Life Instructor Program, and it was one of the best and most rewarding experiences of my life. It was so much fun, and you leave there after those three days of training feeling all sorts of jazzed up. You are ready to change the world. And if you are in the Washington, D.C. or Hampton Roads areas, I would love to come to your office or teach a group of your friends or your family about how a plant-based diet can turn around your health as well. We're talking about lowering the risk of diabetes and heart disease and cancer and arthritis. So many helpful things, not to mention that plant-based diet can help you lose weight and more importantly, keep it off. 
No more yo-yo dieting. Plus, we'll show you how cooking can be so easy you won't even believe it. So just shoot me a message if you're interested on Twitter or Instagram at Chuck Carroll WLC, or you can find me on Facebook as well. And if you're in the Omaha area, don't forget that you can link up with Melissa as well. A link to her website can be found in the show notes for this episode. And oh, by the way, there are Food for Life instructors all over this country, all over the world. You can find one near you at pcrm.org slash FFL. FFL, of course, standing for Food for Life. So find them, pcrm.org slash FFL. And if you, my friend, would like to become a Food for Life instructor, now is the time to get your application in. The deadline is fast approaching. It is November 13th. That is the deadline to get the application in for the training session that will be held in Los Angeles in February. So just head over to fffltraining.org or click on the link in the show notes. And that is an experience that you will not soon forget. Coming up on next week's show, Dr. Kaliova will be back to do a exam room double dip. And this time we'll be turning our attention to another inflammatory disorder. One that can be both embarrassing and painful. But just like RA, patients are finding a lot of success by treating those symptoms with a plant-based diet. This gentleman was a medical student. Uh, he was 25 years old, and he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So he was losing weight, felt really miserable, tired all the time. So they started the treatment. He got the best treatment ever, the biologic treatment with the IV infusions. Uh, however, no remission of the symptoms. And he happened to have a friend uh, who was a, on a plant-based diet. And uh, she told him, well, you know, you have nothing to lose. I mean, you've been struggling with Crohn's disease for more than two years now. Why don't you try a whole food plant-based diet? So he was up for that. And guess what? He experienced a complete remission. Really? And a year after he switched to the plant-based diet, he was also able to get off all his medications. That is on next week's show. So make sure that you subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or wherever shows are available. And please, when you do that, also give a five-star rating because when you do, you are helping us reach as many people as possible. Help get that information out there that is life-changing because those five-star ratings, the higher we climb in the rankings with those five-star ratings, the more eyes and the more ears will see and hear this information. So your help can go a long, long way toward improving the lives of countless others. And if you ever have a question that you'd like to have answered on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out. Just tweet me or find me on Facebook or Instagram. And you can also find the show and the Physicians Committee at PCRM on Twitter and at Physicians Committee, spelled out that time, on Instagram. And one more thing, one more thing before we call it a week. I want to extend a big congratulations to the fine folks in Southern Maryland, because for the first time ever, 
they are having their very own vegan restaurant week. How cool is that? It's running now through the 9th of November. Check this out. 18 restaurants in all are celebrating this, and you can find out which restaurants are participating on Facebook or on Instagram. Look for the account at SOMD Vegan Restaurant Week. SOMD is in Southern Maryland. SOMD Vegan Restaurant Week. That is amazing. Congratulations to Cindy and Rebecca and the entire crew down there for putting it all together. And that... That is going to do it for us this week. My thanks again to Dr. Hanna Kaliova and Melissa Sherlock for joining us. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, keep it plant-based. <laughs>